verse 19. This is what he writes. He says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent. Humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror. And after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting that they have heard what they have heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is, is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. Brothers and sisters, we pray here God's blessing on the reading of his word. Let us pray. Lord, that we would pursue faultless in Christ by your power at work within us, by our desire to be more like Jesus, that we would pursue righteousness and that your word would shape us in those desires, would speak to us and would make us to be more like our Savior Jesus. For it is in his name we pray. Amen. A little story told about a son who was talking to his father. He said, Dad, who do you love more, me or Mom? What a setup, right? And the father answering like any father would said, Son, I, I love you both equally. And that wasn't content for the boy. So he said, Dad, well, let me ask you this. If Mom lived in Japan and I lived in England, where would you go visit? And he said, Son, I'd go to Japan. And he said, See, I told you, you love Mom more. He said, No, son, I've just always wanted to go to Japan. He said, Okay, 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 what if we switched? And I lived in Japan, and she lived in England. He's like, well, son, I'd go to England. He's like, see? He's like, no, 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 I just told you, I've already been to Japan. <laughs> now, silly, yes. But I, I th think through the lens of that little boy questioning his dad and internalizing the frustration that we feel when... People don't really listen to us. That's what the father's doing, though he's messing with his son. He's not really listening. He's hearing, but he's not listening to the intent, the desire behind the question, who do you love more? And that's difficult when it, we experience it, and it's a challenge for us in, in our doing to, to be challenged in learning how to listen more than we hear. There's a difference between those two things. Hearing is to audibly digest words. But to listen is to comprehend, to meditate, to think deeply about, to kind of catch the nuance and the significance and, and the intention behind the words, to, to really take it in. And any parent knows there's a difference between hearing and listening. There very often our kids hear us, but they're not really listening. We have done that to others. When, as the kids have grown up, there have been times... Um, in, in our interaction with them, 
that we may call them, you know, Cassie or Ryan, and come and say, hey, we need you to do a couple things. Maybe, you know, let the dog out or, or turn the air conditioning to a certain degree or turn off some lights or, you know, various odd things around the house. And, and every once in a while we'll be doing this, and we can tell they're hearing, but they're not listening. So we do a very simple trick that probably a lot of you have done before. We'll look at them, and maybe it's Ryan, and we'll say, Ryan, what did we just tell you? Make them repeat. Because there's something significant if you can repeat, and, he, and maybe listening to his own words to make sure that it's, it's sinking in, that he's digesting it. And the reality is that's not a challenge for my children or children or youth. It's a challenge for all of us. Because very often we, we hear, but, but we don't listen so well. And, and part of our, our growth in Christ, part of our maturity in Christ, is to become better listeners. And so James, the entire letter of James is really a sermon. And there's a lot of, of things that James says that, that we probably learned, if we grew up in the church, you've, you've learned in, in Sunday school. His focus very often throughout his letter is, is being doers of the word, engaging your faith. And he says something here that's very succinct, yet incredibly powerful. And, and part of what makes it so powerful is its brevity. It's its simple statement, yet it is significantly and deeply profound. And this is what he says of maturing in Christ, of living a Christ-like life. He says, this is what we need to be. We need to be quick to listen, slow to speak. Quick to listen and slow to speak. The challenge in that is most of us get those things backwards. I, too often, get those things backwards. And that's incredibly frustrating when that reality takes. So I was hearing a, a colleague, a pastor, who was talking about being at a conference not too long ago. And at this conference, he ran into two friends in ministry who live at various parts of the country. So they're not geographically close to each other. So he didn't see them very often. And he was recounting how this conversation went with each of these. There were two separate conversations. And he said that after the conversations, he found himself getting very angry and deeply resentful. Because he said, in the course of the conversation, they told me about how their spouses were doing. They told me about how their adult children were doing. They told me about what was going on in their lives and what was going on in their ministry. And he said, in both cases, neither one ever asked how I was doing. Neither one ever asked what my ministry or how my family or how my spouse or, or what was going on with me. He said, I learned all about them, but I never shared anything. And, and there are significant things happening in my life that I was anxious and hungry to share. And he said it created a, 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 a kind of almost a bitterness that started to take root in his reflection on these colleagues. And I started to think about that, and I started to do a little self-review. Because I think that's one of the most important things we can do to step back and ask that question about ourselves. And I started to think about some of the conversations I had recently at annual conference where I bump into colleagues that I maybe only see once or twice a year that are in ministry in all kinds of places around Florida. And I started to think about those conversations. But I wasn't thinking about did they ask me about my life when I had these conversations with friends. I started to ask myself, was I guilty of doing exactly what this pastor was upset about? 
was I guilty of telling my friends about Tony and Ryan and Cassidy and what's happening at Parrish and all of these things? Did I speak instead of listening? Because the reality is we all need somebody to listen to us. We all need those people in our lives who really listen. Again, not hear, but listen. But the challenge is we need to be that. I need to be that. You need to be that. That's what James says. A mark of our maturity in Christ is that we are quick to listen. We are anxious to listen. And that is part of the hallmark of Jesus' ministry. Jesus was a listener to the words and to the body language. That became He saw things that people didn't see. Why? Because He listened. He knew how to to see through His eyes and see through His ears. And so when disciples were bickering and fighting and arguing among themselves, Jesus very often would address the deeper need that was behind those questions and sometimes selfishness. When Jesus went to a well in the middle of the afternoon in Samaria and He realized that this woman was coming in the middle of the day when nobody was else, else was here to draw water, He listened. And he knew there was more going on in her life. And when he engaged in conversation with her, he didn't judge, he didn't point fingers, he didn't chastise, he listened. And he began to address deeper needs, deeper hurts, deeper hungers, deeper thirsts in her life because he listened. Likewise, when he was passing through a village and there was a tax collector who just wanted to see Jesus, Why only see Jesus? Because Jesus wouldn't want anything to do with him. He was a tax collector. He was pawn scum in his people's view. And he was little, so he had to climb a tree to get a look at Jesus. And that was all he wanted because that's all he could expect. But Jesus listened, and he saw more. And he turns to that man, Zacchaeus, and he says, come down. Because not only do I see you, not only do I hear you, but you know what? Today... I'm going to eat with you. We're breaking bread in your house. Jesus invites himself over and changes his life because he was a listener. James says part of our growth in Christ is that we become listeners, that we are slow, I mean, quick to listen, slow to speak. Does that mean listening is more important than speaking? I don't know. But here's what I know most of us speak faster than we listen. We speak quicker than we listen. We speak better than we listen. And James says we need to kind of reprioritize our understanding. Quick to hear, slow to speak. And see, for most of us, we just we, we get that backwards. I, heard a, I read a quote this week that said uh, that a good listener is a good talker with a sore throat. A good listener is a good talker with a sore throat because it forces us. What he's saying is that in order to grow in Christ, what we have to do is we've got to quicken our ears and slow our tongues. In fact, he goes on to say, I mean, I want you to hear the direct words. I mean, these are provocative. These are powerful. He says later on, those who consider themselves religious and do not keep a tight rein on their tongue deceives themselves and their religion is worthless. He goes on in James chapter 3 to talk about the power of the tongue, the destructive impact of the tongue, like a a spark that causes a forest fire, a rudder that steers a ship. 
It's significant, this action. But He wants to challenge Christians. He wants to challenge us to get the order right. And the problem is, most of us, and I'm chief of the pack here. I'm, I'm leading the pack as far as those who speak before we listen. I can't tell you how many conversations I've missed, how many details I've missed over the years talking to people because something sparks, something connects, and I immediately begin thinking about what I want to say instead of hearing about what's being shared. We just get it backwards. And that's kind of what challenged me a little bit. And I, and I thought about it. I don't know how many of you pay attention to the sermon titles, but the sermon title this week is Strike That, Reverse It. Anybody know where that comes from? Willy Wonka. I don't know who said it over here. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. The, the good one, the one with Gene Wilder as Willy Wonka. <laughs> and there's a number of places in the, uh, in the story, if you remember it, know it, where he says things backwards. The, the most common is this. He says, come, come, we have so much time and so little to do. And then he stops. He says, wait, strike that. Reverse it. Strike that, reverse it, which is what I said put back in the right order. In fact, I didn't know until this week, but there's the musical, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, and there's a song in the soundtrack titled Strike That, Reverse It. And I thought about that fun kind of line, but how often, not in my words, but in my actions, I get James's admonition backwards, and I'm quick to speak, slow to listen. And those are moments I need to do a Willy Wonka. I need to stop, strike, and reverse. And I think many of us need to learn to stop, to strike, and to reverse. Because part of being like Christ is to begin to learn how to listen to the words that people speak and the cry of their heart. It's important in our most intimate relationships. It is one of my continuing growing edges in marriage is that I am very quick to speak. Tony will amen this if she was up here, but I know she's kind of up because so often, especially in the early years, but I wish it was just the early years, and Tony would share something with me, maybe a frustration, maybe something that I was doing that bothered her or upset her. I know it's hard to imagine I could ever be guilty of that, but <laughs> pretend for a moment it's possible. And what would happen is I would immediately hear and I'd go into defense mode. I'd go into argument mode. I'd go into rationalization mode. Well, Tony, you don't understand. You shouldn't feel that way. That's a deadly phrase right there. <laughs> because you should know, because a feeling is a feeling. I've learned this in years of, of counseling, doing it and, and needing it, um, that feelings are never wrong. Feelings are what they are. And we have to acknowledge that. And they may, we may not agree with the rationale behind it, but a feeling is a feeling. You can't tell somebody you shouldn't feel that way. They do. That doesn't help. But I, had, I, I would get into that. I would immediately go into the argue, win, defend, rationalize. And none of that was healthy. What I needed to do was listen. And when I would take time to listen, it's amazing how much those challenges, um, how easier they were to work through. When I would quicken my ears and... Shut my mouth. That's what James says we need to do, not just in our most intimate relationships, but in our relationships. Because he goes on to say, and I think there's a correlation here. He says we should be slow, I mean quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I think there's a connection there. Because when we're trigger happy with our tongues, 
it raises our anger. We become prone to our anger. And he goes on to say, don't fool yourself. That is not God's righteous anger. God's not doing anything with your anger. It's not a reflection of God. It's certainly not a reflection of Christ. There is righteous anger. There are things that should anger us. Let's let's recognize that. 84 dead in Nice, France should anger us. 49 dead in Orlando should anger us. Five police officers dead in Dallas should anger us. And, and this is where I'm going to trample on some toes, if investigations show that officers used unnecessary force, dead people in Louisiana, men in Minnesota or other places, should anger us. It should anger us because it breaks the heart of God. So there are reasons to be angry, but let's face it, most of our anger is self-righteous and self-centered. Most of our anger stems out of the fact we want people to think the way we think, believe the way we believe, see the world the way we see the world. And part of that problem is that we speak more than we listen. We need to learn how to listen so that we don't perpetuate anger, but we are the instruments God can use to diffuse it. Now, I'm not saying that listening is a... I'm not Pollyannish. I'm not saying if you learn to listen, all the world's problems are going to go away. And I'm not saying you're going to agree with everybody. You won't. But we can begin to interact in ways that are life-affirming and even in our disagreements can show love rather than that seek to tear down. We just live in a world that's so full of angry voices. It's amazing. We've learned how to hear in so many ways. We can hear the heartbeat of a, of a, of a, of a baby in, in the womb at 16 or 15 or 17 weeks. We can hear the, the, the sounds from the depths of the ocean. We can hear sounds from the deepest of space. I've even read that we can hear, that scientists can hear sounds that plants make and brain waves. I don't even know how that works. But we've stopped listening to each other. I cannot watch cable news. I can't do it. I don't mean CNN. I don't mean MSNBC. I don't mean Fox. I don't mean any of them. Because they put them on the show and they just argue with each other. I rarely see constructive conversation. And I think it just exacerbates this tension and this division that we experience. We're called to be bridge builders, not wall constructors. And we need to take seriously James's challenge to us. It is so simple and yet so difficult. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to anger. Usually when I've gotten, in myself, with, gotten myself in trouble with anger, it's because I've been way too trigger happy on my tongue, with my tongue, or with my fingers. You know, may not be what we speak, maybe what we write. So we need to be challenged. And so I've, I came across this. It's very, very simple, but it's, it's, it's a mantra that I sometimes repeat to myself, not enough, but it simply says this. Listen, wait, respond. Listen, wait, respond. See, now, usually what happens is I listen and respond in the same step and wait is thrown out the door. But listen, hear what people are saying. Hear their hearts. And then give a moment. It could be just a few moments. It could be days. It depends on the situation. But wait. Invite God into it. Invite God's Holy Spirit into it. Reflect on what it is you want to say and how you want to say it. And then, with grace with love, sometimes with, with single-minded focus and, and um, passion, but also when, where you can with brevity, respond. 
And in so doing, we begin to show Christ-like maturity. We begin to be a different voice in the world. If our voice sounds like everybody else's, we've missed Jesus. Because Jesus didn't sound like everybody else. He didn't. And we're not to either. So here's what I know. Some of you live this out so well. I've looked at faces all morning that I know have got this down, that, that have that, that reflection before they speak and are wonderful models for that. There are some of you that, that probably don't need this sermon, but not many of you. <laughs> I need it, and I know I'm not paddling that boat alone. Listen, wait, respond. Too often, we just need to, we need to hear Willy Wonka in our head. Strike that. Reverse it, because we're quick to speak, slow to listen. Let's get it right. Because when we do, we begin to look like Jesus. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, what the world desperately needs is a church, is a church that's you and me that look like Jesus. Let's pray. Lord God, we um, invite your Holy Spirit to, to do within us and through us what is so hard for us to do on our own. We are we're constantly facing a world that is just full of violence and anger and hatred. Lord, help us in the midst of that to be, to be instruments of love and peace and patience. And that is hard. And there are times when, when our anger is righteous and it is true because we see so much that we know angers your heart and breaks your heart. But if we're honest, Lord, so often our anger is self-righteous and self-serving. Lord, forgive us for that. And help us to be more like Jesus. Help us to be tomorrow a little bit closer than we are today. That is our prayer. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.